Okay, go. That was your idea of starting? <laughs> what was to say? Okay, you were going to just say, okay, go. Well, it's the end of the world, so I don't know what else to say. As we know point. it. Yes, that. indeed. <laughs> it's all on fire. And I feel fine. You feel fine? Is that the song? You feel yes. fine, though, anyways. You don't have yes. a fever. You're fine. Okay, good. You'll have to do a little editing there. Maybe a little. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, there we go. How are you, Daniel? Obviously, Carla's not fucking here. Okay, we could. We could patch her through, but she also needs one of the microphones. The, mar- the mics live at our house. I think her laptop could handle it. And Boris is a lot less ornery when she's not here. He is. He sits very quietly. She has a, a smell that a dog, only a dog could love. <laughs> So we're also very lazy and have a lot going on. So we haven't figured out how to patch her. And if this goes on for, you know, a couple more months or fucking something, you know, maybe we'll have her patched in. Yes. At some point she can come back around again, can't so she? How, uh, she's she's looking at cross-stitch patterns for me of llamas that she wants me to make for her. <laughs> she goes, will you make me this? I don't want to buy one. I was like, She yeah. should learn how to do it. I know. That's what I was going to say. I was like, I have all the- Give her something to do since mm-hmm. she's been quarantined uh, away from the family. Yep. Slowly descent into madness. Oh, well. No, she's fine. It's, everything's fine. Fine. So how is, how is your first week and a half of quarantine, quarantine. been? And it's not even 100% quarantine yet. Like- no, we've okay. The national we've just been attempting to be halfway smart about it and not go out. Yeah, this is to work. For perspective, this is March twenty second, seven p.m. So this doesn't come out usually till like Thursday. And it's entirely possible by time it comes yeah. out. Yeah. So you hear us complaining now. Maybe it's a lot it worse. Closed down. Yeah. So as a state, as an entire state, the well, they closed down Delaware County. They closed down Ohio. Yep. So that's a morning. The National Guard got called in, so it feels very serious. I have this weird feeling um, that reminds me of how I felt after the explosion. That feeling of that that there are a lot of things going on out of my control. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like, and I'm not normally a person that needs to be in control of everything, am I? I'm not type A. Like, I don't have to be in control of things. No. Normally, I just don't care. But there's this feeling like it's, you know, dread, I'm sure, or anxiety. It doesn't bother me that much because I know what it is. But still, this feeling is like much like the explosion where shit's on fire. And you're just like, I know nothing about putting out fires. I just feel like, regardless, we'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, there's whatever happens, it's, you know, to some extent when it's like it's out of control and it's, I mean, it's out of our control Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of people. So we're all in it together. Yeah. I know. So you'd like to think people are going to be more understanding, you know? Yeah. It's going to butt fuck the economy. I know that. For, That's already happened, but Forbes, there was an article that Forbes put out basically that said whatever the the GPD mm-hmm. has lost, it will, the, if they feel confident, we will have gained it back by the end of the fourth quarter. Okay. Now, who's going to be really affected by this are people that obviously are absolutely at not even just paycheck to paycheck, but shift to shift. Or small business. Oh. Right, or somebody oh, that yeah. they have so, everything involved in a small business. So I feel really bad for people, and I don't know what to do. Um, the only gift I can give is staying at home. Right. Yeah. I suggested we just leave the shit out, and if we get a chance to talk, we'll talk and just post it for shits and giggles. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you got to keep the kid away the from, the, people stuff from the knobs and buttons. She likes the knobs and buttons. She goes, but What's some of that would do? have to be as if they closed the state down. Oh, yeah. So. Except for your business, because it's essential to the fabric society. Yeah, we're not talking about that. As in, it's not at all essential, but okay. Yeah. Where's your government ID? Well, you know, Chippendales are very important. <laughs> yeah, okay. Work on tips. I so. haven't been able to uh, go and work in the nursing home, so that's, you know. <laughs> it's your number one but... client was the nursing homes. You're gross. <laughs> well, who else would want to watch me dance like know. that? It'd have to be somebody that it's like, well, it's better than nothing. Bored anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's all oh, what's happening. So, yeah, we're stuck here. I mean, but this is kind of my life, too, before, because our daughter turned four in last June. So she wasn't in preschool, or she w- but not all day preschool, and she starts kindergarten. So I'm kind of used to the feeling of her being here in my little shadow that's always irritated with me. And her new thing is to go, ugh! And I just do it and back. she sounds just like her mother. Come on, man. Ugh. I was like, don't you ugh me. You know, I used to get, hi, daddy. Hello, daddy. How are you, daddy? Mm-hmm. And now I get, hey, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. What are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm like, great. You've, you're like your mother. You've turned into Bart Simpson. <laughs> Come on, man. I don't know. She call you a hippie yet? <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's on deck. She's been pretty bored. She wants to know when people are going to say. Don't feel very special if Danielle gives you a pet name because odds are she gives everybody the same pet name. A hippie or dude or man. Only there's been a couple special ones reserved just for me, <laughs> at least in the last nine years. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I've been trying to think. Of funny shit that's gone on, but because we're trapped in the house, there's less funny shit, isn't there? I guess. Yeah. I can't really think of anything. Mm-hmm. There's been there's been some pretty dank memes. Yeah, that's what's lit. Get on those. Yep. Make some memes. I need to make some more. I make them and then people steal them, but it kind of makes me feel good about myself, even though they're that's not giving credit. You need to put your watermark on it. We'll get okay. like a we'll get like a big dildo. Is the watermark? Yes, yeah, so and we'll watermark it in the corner. Okay. I know how to do that. Okay. Oh, I know what we we're gonna do. Um, read New York's <laughs> recommendations. Oh, that's okay. what I wanted. So what do I, I need to look up New York's. Are you reading them or am I reading them? I don't know either. Or let me read them to you. You I can think. read them to yeah. me. Okay. Okay. This is New York City, and they made a safe sex guideline for the coronavirus outbreak, and it's kind of funny, you know. I mean, maybe because sex is funny, or it's taboo, or because this is fucking ridiculous. Okay, uh, I'm ready. The, you know, they're, because you, if you're bumping uglies, odds are you're face to face. I guess not necessarily coughing to the wall. That was bitch coughing to the wall. Oh, yeah, Bert, Bert Kreischer. Yeah, he has a new stand up on Netflix that was really good. That's a good way to figure out if someone would get along with us. Like, watch this. If you think it's funny, we can hang out. If you don't, we shouldn't hang out. In fact, go away. <laughs> so, I don't know. Okay. Okay, it's real cut and dry. How to enjoy sex and avoid spreading COVID-19. You are your safest sex partner. Yes, I (laughs) knew it. Spank bank all day long. So masturbation. That's what just you and whatever 
After using proper hand washing te- techniques, before and after. Oh shit! Yeah. Um, Oops. Oopsie also, doodles. you should not have sex with anyone outside your household. And so which is it? So the, the next safest partner is someone you, you live hear that, with. Boris? You either have to have safe sex with yourself or with your spouse, significant other, or just roommate. You people live, you know, with a lot. Of- <laughs> uh, Carla's got a roommate. She does, yeah. But to stick with sex with established partners, you know, and no more dating hookups online during the crisis. So I'm sorry if that smushes anyone where you get your kicks. So either masturbate or fuck your roommate. That rhymes. That's easy to remember, right? Did you just come up with that or is that in the thing? It's in the thing, <laughs> but not in those explicit terms. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh, no, no, no. There's specific guidelines, though, against rimming. Daniel, what is rimming? When you lick someone else's butthole. Hmm. I mean, yeah. I guess you could lick your own butthole, but uh, yeah, I don't so know why you'd want to do that. Lick your own butthole? Yeah. Uh, but- I don't know if anyone could do that. I don't know, but New York City does not want you to eat ass, specifically. God. Bunch of boob. I didn't Okay, know. boomer. Okay, boomer. <laughs> I didn't know the vi- the virus spread, like, rectally. <laughs> like, while uh, while everyone's listening to us about washing your hands, here's another, here's another tidbit of info, or tidbit of advice. Don't eat ass. <laughs> Kissing can spread it. Rimming, mouth to anus, might pass COVID-19. Well, yeah, because diarrhea is a symptom. Oh, virus in feces may enter your mouth. Barf. (laughs) Could you imagine? That's how you, I mean, you would never know. Unless they said, we tested, we did a test on yours and there's a little bit of extra something in the microscope. Mm -hmm. Turns out it's poop. You got poop in your mouth. You're a poop mouth. There's another way to say potty mouth. <laughs> Don't lick the rim. That's so gross. There was one girl licking a toilet seat rim. Remember that? Oh, on oh, an airplane. God. God, what is wrong with people? Well, you know, she's really cool and stuff. Like, I thought, man, wow, what an inspiration. She needs to go home and eat a Tide Pod. What the fuck? There's another challenge. Go home and eat a Tide Pod. Don't do that. She needs the go home and Wash put your- a nail through your cell phone and just... Walk away and stay off the internet. Sit on the front Challenge. porch and eat a, drink a glass of water and eat a banana and take a deep breath and reevaluate your life. I don't like bananas. Anyways, wash your sex toys with soap and warm water, right? Yeah, oh, always. Skip sex if you're not feeling well. I've heard about them rules long yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. So I can't. I'm. I Although can't. another Burt Kreischer thing, like. She won't have sex with me if I'm sick, but I'll definitely have sex with her if she's sick. Yep. Yep. Uh huh. <laughs> Mouth to anus. Don't eat ass. <laughs> they had to say it. They had to put it in writing. <laughs> Are you sure that this is put out like you pulled this off their website? Yeah. Like, and people have been sharing this. This is a BuzzFeed article about okay. Okay. all the people that are sharing. Um, but it is informative and inclusive and realistic. People like to bang mouth to ass, so they're addressing that corner of the internet. <laughs> it is okay to have sex, just only with people you live with or with yourself. Okay, okay. So, yeah. Wash your hands, wash your dick. Yeah. 
Pussies in pits. Let's go. <laughs> That's a whore bath. I thought that was a bird bath. Nope. Whore bath. Move out. Move aside, a horse ladies. Bath. I got a gargle. <laughs> What's that, Jeff? <laughs> oh. You could. You had to tell it quickly. We might. Have told I can't tell it quickly, and I honestly would have to sit here and think about okay. it for a second. Uh, but it's something with nuns that are absolving themselves of yes. sin. Yes. Washing their hands. Yeah. Yes. I'll, I'll think of it. Okay. Huh. So, to go with the feeling of existential dread that you feel out of your own body and there's nothing you can do, I thought, you know, a, a national crisis event would be a nice thing to talk about, right? Yes. Something that upsets the entire world, one singular event. Correct. I'm going to talk first. This event is not it. When I talk about it, this is all Daniel's idea, by the way. Kind of. You've done a lot of research for this. I mean, it's very, there's a lot of information. You'll start talking and it'll pretty much narrow down what I'm going to talk about. So, Okay. Question first. Would you ever go into outer space? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Now, I mean, what are they going to do? Like, hey, we're we're doing a, NASA's doing a contest. We're going to just pick one random asshole. And no matter how, what kind of shape you're in, we're going to throw you into space. Now, if they came in, they said, you're leaving tomorrow. No, Mm -mm. no, I would just it would the experience would be ruined because I would throw up. That's what I was going to say. How do you get used to it? You have to go through all the stuff. They have to spin you around by your dick. Six months. Yeah. Every day you're going to be training. Mm -hmm. You get used to it. Yeah, I think I would. They spin you around by your dick upside down. They wash their hands after. Yep. I don't know if I would go out into space. I don't know if I'm that person. I don't even want to skydive. I don't want to deep dive either. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I like kind of in the middle. I'm going on an airplane. Not anymore. Fuck. I mean, you can. <laughs> you can. I don't want to. This came from biography.com, wikipedia.com, oxygen.com, wine and crime, and crime of passion. Crime of passion did a two-parter on this, which was very well researched and professionally done. The opposite of what I'm about to do. Lisa Nowak. N-O-W-A-K. She's a spokesperson for the coronavirus. No whacking. Well, you, can, <laughs> you can whack yourself, I guess. Just no mutual whacking. I don't know. It's all fucked up. She she studied aerospace engineering at the United States Navy Academy, Naval Academy and went on to receive her master's degree in aeronautical engineering. A smart person. I could not do this if you paid me. I could not do her job. She's not a smart person. Not that smart. Well, and I don't think paying is what makes you able to do it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like someone could show up and give me $30 million, but as soon as I uh, went out and the first time I got hit by an actual NFL player, be all over. Yep. So in 1996, Lisa made it through the competitive selection process to become an astronaut. She traveled to space as a mission specialist on the shuttle Discovery in July 2006. All right. So that's, you know, that's exciting. She logged over a dozen days in uh, in outer space and was actually awarded NASA Space Flight Medal at Johnson Space Center in 07. Smart, engaging, charismatic people. Yeah, cause, so if, yeah, she was a mission specialist then. Mm-hmm. She was uh, either an, a flight engineer mm-hmm. yeah. or she dealt with, they were putting a satellite into space and she knew how to go out and work on the stuff or how to yeah. launch it. I don't think she got to go out 
of the shuttle because they didn't make spacesuits small enough for women yet. Like that walking suits like to be out oh, of the shuttle. Yeah. Well, right now, no one's doing it. No, so. no. Actually, I think the Russians are still. No, there is. Up. No, there are people in outer space right now. They will come back down to this mess. Look that up. Are there people? Yes, right look now? it up. I'll read this. You look it up. Being an astronaut is a demanding profession, believe it or not. But her job didn't keep Lisa from starting a family. She oh, married. Yeah, the International Space. I don't know why I thought they. Let's see. She married Richard Nowak, a classmate from the Naval Academy, and they had three children, a son and twin girls. Lisa took pride in having both a family and staying on course in the space program, saying in one interview, it's definitely a challenge to do the flying and take care of even one child and to do all the things you have to do. But I learned that you can do it. I could not. (laughs) Yet behind the facade, problems existed in Lisa Nowak's personal life. In 2004, she... Before she made it into space, she began an affair with fellow astronaut William Ophline. William trained with Lisa, but they never went into space at the same time. So I don't know if anyone has fucked in space yet. I'm assuming someone has. Because you just, like, you just, someone has to. But would they ever admit it? Could you ever prove it? I don't know. What would you do with it? Like, do condoms work in space? Do, does lube work in space? These are the things we need to know, Daniel. <laughs> okay. Okay. Write those down. Lifelong that's, questions. That's what they're going to send me up in space for. <laughs> Daniel, we need you to. <laughs> for the good of the nation. Mission specialist. <laughs> I'd be a payload specialist. A payload. <laughs> gross. It was- it's so gross. Barf. <laughs> He's going to find out if a mildly overweight, nearing middle-aged man... Does come float in space? It has to. Like water floats. It's denser, I guess. <laughs> you're all picturing it in your head right now. Mm-hmm. Floating jizz. You're all picturing it. You're welcome. Welcome. <laughs> like boom. Like boom. would it come out and go boom. Boop. Boom. Like it would move on its own boom. for a while. It's got momentum with it. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> They did not go up together, so they did not bump uglies together. In 2005, William divorced his wife. Lisa and her husband separated in early 2007 after 19 years of marriage. Oh, that's hard. At the time, she it seems to have envisioned a future with William. So I think at one point, though, he left his wife and was like, yo, bitch, like, you got to leave yours so we can be together. And she was like, about that, like, I kind of still am in the middle of going into outer space. So I can't like do a divorce and save the world through research at the same time. So he at one point wanted her to get a divorce and she said, no, not right now. But then after he did and she came back from space, it was like, okay, now I'll get a divorce. Uh, Their affair lasted two years with William beginning to break it off gradually near the end of 06. So. Okay. Why do you break it off gradually? Um, Because you're a procrastinator. (laughs) I bet you found someone else. However, in mid-January 2007, William Offline let Lisa, now 43 years old, know he was in an exclusive relationship with 30-year-old Air Force Captain Colleen Shipman. So, another Oops. smart, you know, smart woman. Colleen was working as an engineer with the 45th Space Wing at Patrick Air Force Base in Florida. Okay. William later told investigators he thought Lisa was disappointed, but accepting of the news. Like, oh, shoot. How'd she take it? Oh, you know, about as well as you could expect. It's okay with it, you know. 
but she ended up using a key he had given her to enter his apartment where she accessed personal emails between William and Colleen. <laughs> so, yeah, so she still had a key. And because she didn't overreact at the breakup, he probably forgot that she had a key or was like, oh, I'll get it later or whatever. She thought this through. Yeah. And, oh, okay, because she's a smart person. So she's reading their personal emails. God, if someone read our personal text, like, <laughs> I don't know what they would think They'd of They'd go, us. well, there's nothing to see here. No, I mean, we bicker and then, but then joke through so i don't know i don't know what you would get out of it but this is she accesses personal emails so like change all your passwords after you break up with someone in one check. <laughs> great in one colleen wrote will have to control myself when i see you first urge will be to rip your clothes off throw you on the ground and love the hell out of you <laughs> you've never you've no. never done that to me no the, CD the CDC said I can't anymore. Yeah. Well, great. For <laughs> once in your life, you got an excuse. <laughs> Shut up. Okay. So, um, Lisa's not happy that they've been- Which one is she? Uh, grumpy. Okay. <laughs> Angry. But I think so. She was in space when he met this girl, and it was really easy to forget about someone that's in outer space. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, moving on with his life. Lisa then took a trip- that would result in headlines dubbed her the Astro Nut. Little nutty. Peanuts on tap. If I eat peanuts, Boris knows it. He comes for me. He's like, what do you got? Creating penis? Peanuts. Penis. Creating penis. I'm Cornwallis. <laughs> <laughs> Having learned the details of Colleen's return flight from Houston to Orlando, thanks to her time in Williams' apartment, Lisa made the same 900-mile journey by car and ended up at the Orlando International Airport. So she knows... She was going to see the mouse. Oh, yeah, which is closed now. She knows through the emails that he's meeting up with his new girlfriend and when her flight leaves and arrives and all that personal shit. So she's going to be there. Drives 900... How long... Can you look it up? How long does it take to drive 900 miles? Well, that just depends on... Just give me an estimate! Where is she driving from? Houston to Orlando. Give me an estimate! This says... Basically 14 hours. Okay. Unless I'm driving, then you probably get there in half the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> she then kept watch as Colleen, who'd been visiting William, arrived around 1 a.m. on February 5th. Colleen spent a couple of hours waiting for delayed luggage before taking a shuttle ha, to the bus park. Ha, 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 I get it. Ha, ha, ha. So she, yeah, so this is, this takes commitment, okay, that you're driving 13 hours or so and then waiting around because the person that you're following their luggage got delayed so you had another like oh, two I hours i know you're waiting another extra two hours on this person you're stalking like during those two extra hours besides the 13 you spent in the car you've been like man this you know it's one in the morning like this is a lot of work and i'm tired so i don't know if she was guzzling jolt i'm tired <laughs> tired like remember jolt that drink yes yeah is that what she was drinking? I decided she was. Or Nos. That was another one. That's still around. Yeah. Lisa, wearing a wig and trench coat, rode with her on the shuttle. Got on the same shuttle as Colleen in a disguise. A very poor disguise. Colleen noticed this woman, whose attire made her look out of place, and hurried to her car. So, like, you're taking a shuttle to the parking lot. And it's like, I feel... She can tell. You're like, you're feeling your spidey senses. You're like, this is not normal. That's a wig. That's a wig. 
It's a man, baby. <laughs> That's no woman. That's a man. <laughs> when she got into her car, she heard running footsteps and quickly locked her car door. Yeah. That's what we're going to start doing. We're going to start having sound effects for this show. Yeah, that's a lot of work. It'll improve. Uh, Lee- I'll, I'll, I'll provide all of them. Okay. Like Monty, Monty Python. You do me a favor. Okay, okay. Yeah, give me a horse right now. <laughs> Put Add a horse into the store. She rode up on horseback. <laughs> As she slammed the door, Lisa slapped the window and tried to open the car door. So this is smart. And I do this too. If I get in the car, I lock the doors. Like, even Good. if I'm sitting in the car. Good move. You know, because it... My car will automatically lock once you get going, but if you're sitting somewhere, just lock your doors. Colleen got in, locked her doors, and this woman, in a poor disguise, slapped the window, tried to open it, then asked for a ride, then started crying. Lisa claimed her boyfriend hadn't showed up and asked for a ride when Colleen slightly rolled down the car window, though. Lisa pepper sprayed her. Bitch move. That is. That's shallow. So she's begging for a ride, and I'm sure Colleen's like, get the fuck away from my car, but rolled it down just enough to tell her to probably go fuck herself. Or to say, no, I think she wanted her, she's like, I'll call someone for you. I don't feel comfortable you getting in my car, but I will call someone for you. Because she's a nice human being. Instead, she got pepper sprayed in the face. Fortunately, Colleen was able to drive away, and the police apprehended Lisa Nowak. So even though she was pepper sprayed, because this woman, I mean, she's trained to be like hardcore, because she's a captain and whatever I said she was a captain. And investigators found latex gloves, a black wig, a BB gun and ammunition, pepper spray, a hooded trench coat, a two-pound drilling hammer, black gloves, rubber tuming, plastic garbage bags, approximately $585 in cash, her computer, an eight-inch folding knife, as well as printouts of personal emails between William and Colleen, and a computer disc that held images of bondage scenes. This is a murder kit, if not a murder-rape kit, in my opinion. Traveling around with a murder kit looks bad. Bad for NASA. Oh, yeah. They don't need any more bad in, bad press. Her car reportedly also contained diapers. And that's the story, part of the story my dad remembered. He remembers this. He goes, yeah, she had diapers. However, they apparently weren't special NASA diapers, but other people say they are. So there's some discrepancy. Lisa's attorney would later claim they were toddler diapers in her car due to her family's evacuation during the 05 hurricane season. Uh, Her kids, however, though, were no longer in diapers. So some people say it was NASA-issued diapers, like super absorbency, so you could drive 900 miles without getting out of the car. Uh, Oh, okay. I'm like, well, what what difference does it make why she had the diapers? So she could not be seen on... Well, right. Yeah, same thing as Jodi Arias. She filled up her car with a bunch of gas, though. Right, and gas, like extra gas tanks. So Jodie Arias it. didn't do it. She was framed. Oh, yeah. Or wait, no, never mind. It was, she was a, she was a victim. Victim, yes. Gag me. Well, I try to sometimes. <laughs> I have to like it. Okay. So the diaper thing is up for debate. Diane Fanning, author of 2007 book about Lisa Nowak called Out There, told the Post that if Lisa was wearing a diaper, that would be the most normal part of the whole expedition. That's something she was used to. <laughs> that was something all astronauts did. It wasn't strange. When you do take off and you have all that pre- pressure pressed against your body, it presses against your bladder too. And boom, everything goes out. I've never thought about this. You're going to wet your pants. So it's good to have on a diaper. <laughs> so I've never thought of this, but it doesn't kind of make sense. Or do they have to involve an astronaut? Did you pee before you got locked into this? Did you go? Did you go to the bathroom? I don't have to go. 
Did you go? Try to go. <laughs> yep. You've had that conversation before with somebody. Or I'll say, I'm about to use the bathroom. Do you want to use the bathroom first? No, I'm fine. And then as soon as I'm using the bathroom, she'll scream that she has to go. <laughs> and it's an emergency. Yep. Once police had Lisa's identification, they told Colleen her name. She and William had discussed his ex, and he had once mistakenly called her Lisa in bed. Oh, that stinks. Or like what the guy did on The Bachelor and called him. Yeah, and I like he, he saved it though with like what Madison. He's not here. Yeah, has gone home. <laughs> it's like you called her Madison. So, anyways. I don't think you've ever done that to me. Let's not start now. Called you another woman's name? Yeah. I mean, I don't know who it would be at this point. Um, I don't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So her boyfriend then confirmed, yeah, that's my ex. I didn't know she was this crazy. Meanwhile, though, she was in police custody. Sure, bro. Sure. Lisa remained focused on talking to Colleen Shipman. The state's attorney argued that the facts indicated a well-thought-out plan to kidnap and perhaps to injure Colleen. While arguing for a pretrial release, Lisa's attorney remarked, one's good work must count for something. So she's like, she was a super good astronaut, okay? So that you have to weigh that against the fact that she's super bad at abducting people. She was ordered to release on 1,500 bail. No, 15,000 bail under the condition she wears a GPS tracking device and not contact Colleen Shipman. However, before she could be released, Orlando police charged Lisa with attempted first-degree murder and announced she would not be released on bail. Her lawyer alleged that police and prosecutors, unhappy that she had been granted bail, pressed more serious uh, charges solely to keep her confined. Well, that's not nice. Nope. It was almost attempted murder. Like, if she had gotten Colleen into her car, what would she have done with her? Was she just going to ask her politely to leave William alone? Wasn't that what you would do? No. I'd fuck a bitch up. <laughs> I'd like to watch that. I really would. I don't know if I'm that tough. I do have my nails a little That's long. why I say I'd like to watch hey, it. Hey! You know, adrenaline does stuff to people, right? Yes. Um, okay. She was. She did eventually post bail. There's no definitive explanation for Lisa's choices. However, some of those close to her speculate that the Columbia shuttle disaster may have played a part in her breakdown. On February 1st, 2003, the returning shuttle Columbia was completely destroyed after a piece of foam broke off and hit the wing, the ship's wing. We watched a documentary about this. Yes. Seven astronauts on board lost their lives, including Lisa's close friend, Laura, Laurel Clark. It's easier to understand how NASA might have missed changes in Lisa Nowak's emotional state. Being propelled into space by high-powered rockets is not a low-key endeavor, so potential astronaut faces rigorous screening. Yet the many psychological tests she had undergone to join the program had been back in 1996 with no follow-up exams. If you're sane in 1996, it must be sane the rest of your life. Lisa would have known that seeing aid for any problems would likely mean she'd lose her place in the program. That's the other thing. We did one psyche eval on you and you're fine. But if we find out you are you seek help somewhere else, like a psychologist, therapist, psychiatrist, then you will no longer be a part of this program. So Correct. it's great. And they've done that with air traffic control too. Mike. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I, have to, I can take it. They finally changed it though, didn't they? I don't know. I don't know if they changed it or not, but at one point it was people in charge of your lives up in the outer in the spaces, in the space in between the land and outer space weren't allowed to take psych meds even if they needed them. Because then they'd lose their job. That's great. It makes so much sense to me. After waiting for years to go to space, she would have not ha wanted to jeopardize her chances and therefore would have 
every incentive to hide personal turmoil. It is also possible that returning from her 06 space flight affected Lisa's state of mind. She knew the mission was likely to be her only one. At the time, there were many other astronauts waiting in the wings. She may have had trouble adjusting and this never-to-be-repeated journey. In Lucy in the Sky, Natalie Portman's character says, I just feel a little off. You go up there, you see the whole universe, and everything looks so small. <laughs> so I don't know if Lisa ever said that, but Natalie Portman does. So there is a movie. I, I have not watched it. Lucy in the Sky. That's about her. Yep. She was charged with attempted kidnapping and burglary with assault, making her the first active duty astronaut to face felony charges. NASA let her go a month after she confronted Colleen, and William was re released by the agency in June 2007. NASA ended up instituting annual psychological screenings for astronauts. So that's good, right? Yes. Everyone needs a good psych eval. It doesn't hurt anything. As her case moved to trial, Lisa's legal counsel filled, filed the paperwork for an insanity plea, claiming she suffered from obsessive-compulsive disorder, insomnia, and depression. Then came a ruling that she had not been fully- I'm addicted to sex. <laughs> Even if everyone has the virus, I still have to bang him. She had not been fully advised of her rights, and therefore her police interview was inadmissible. I think she was advised. I don't know what the loophole is there. Like, probably said, should I ask? Like, I think I need an attorney. And they're like- but then she didn't get one. I don't know. She also wasn't going to be picked again and asked why. And they're like, you're not a team player. That's told her why. Like, oh, shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know if that was the truth or that was just their excuse is that other. And there are probably younger people. I don't know how the age requirement is for being an astronaut. Is there an age requirement? Like a limit and a an, you know, minimum oh, and I, a limit? I don't know. Hmm. I do not know. In the end, Lisa entered into an agreement that saw her plead guilty to burglary and misdemeanor battery. The judge, taking her status as first-time offender into account, gave her a year of probation, community service, and directed her to write Colleen a letter of apology. She was going to, like, abduct and murder this bitch, and she didn't get any jail time. Mm -mm. Pays to be an astronaut if you're smart, it pays. Colleen Shipman was not happy with the sentence. <laughs> she told the court, Lisa Nowak had intended to kill her. It was in her eyes, a blood-chilling expression of limitless rage and glee. The crime had lifted, left her with nightmares, dizzy spells. She also felt she needed weapons to protect her. So she has PTSD. Colleen now has PTSD from being abducted. Like, you should. You should. You'd feel like it'd freak you out. However, Lisa's actions didn't derail Colleen's relationship with William. The two both retired from the military in 08, relocated to Alaska, and married in 2010, and now have a son. So that worked out for them. Colleen also began writing career, which uh, helped her cope with the after effects. Her and her husband divorced in 08. Um, in 2011, she was given an other than honorable discharge from the Navy and was demoted from captain to commander when she left the service. That kind of sucks. She succeeded in that, having... I mean, I think that affects her retirement pay. It does. Yes. She... Um, but since they didn't give her a dishonorable discharge... Yeah. It was other than... Nowadays... Uh, when my uncle retired from the Navy, they didn't do this. But now if you retire, you get bumped up a rank Okay. upon retirement. Okay. That's nice. Yeah. And I think that's what they do. <laughs> well, nothing we say here is true. You know, it's all with 10,000 grains of salt. It's in the fine print. As of 2017, Noek has been working in the private sector and lives in a modest Texas home. Not much is known about her whereabouts as she keeps a low profile and does not give interviews. Just but like Casey Anthony. Yep, her attorney told People in 2016 that she's doing well. Ta-da! Astronauts are criminals, too! Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll stop it. 
Okay, that was the introduction. That has fuck all to do about Indiana, but it's a good story, and that's why we're here. Daniel, though, has the second half of this topic, and there is an Indiana connection there, so you cannot assault me through kind the of. internet. Kind of. Hey, I'll take tiny connections. You know, it's tiny. I can reach, reach, reach. Well, technically, the space shuttle has flown over Indiana at there some point. There you go. So. Yeah. Just saying. So. No, there's more than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We know what we're doing. We're professionals. We've so been doing this for you a would long think time. That I'm getting ready to do the Columbia. We, you were at one point. I thought I was, <laughs> but I'm not. Okay, because there's more to the other thing. I think. Yeah, the Columbia was just like sad. Not that the other thing isn't sad, but it was less preventable. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. I'm going back to January 28th, 1986. The space shuttle Challenger. Orbital Vehicle 099 broke apart 73 seconds into its flight, killing all seven crew members aboard. My dad couldn't remember what he was doing. Uh, my, d- Your dad couldn't remember what he and was doing. He said doing. he was watching a basketball IU, and you're like, no. No, it's like, this was like 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You weren't watching. And then he couldn't at the remember. end of January, he was like, well, I don't know what I was doing. He could remember the game he was thinking of, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, my dad remembers what he was doing. What was your dad doing? I think he was at work, but everyone was stunned. Because it was a big deal. The Challenger, what was special about that one, it was the first civilian. Mm -hmm. The teacher. The teacher. The crew, the deaths, I guess we'll go with the crew. The crew was uh, Francis R. Scobie, who went by Dick, so or Richard Scobie. But that was the commander, pilot, Michael J. Smith, mission specialist, Ronald McNair, mission specialist, Ellison Onizuka, mission specialist, Judith Resnick, payload specialist, Gregory Jarvis. And payload specialist teacher, Krista McAuliffe. Mm-hmm. And she competed, beat out a lot of other people for that position. Yeah, there were thousands of entrants. Yeah. So it should have I watched something the other day talking about the whole process for her. Yeah. Yeah, so 73 seconds into the flight, there is an explosion and the shuttle breaks apart. Now, the shuttle did not actually explode like how it looks in the video, but when the external fuel tank went kapoof, the shuttle sheared off, and the mat- and the change in trajectory caused uh, the aerodynamic forces broke up the orbiter. For about two weeks, they, everyone assumed that the astronauts were killed. On explosion. At explosion. Yeah. Uh, there's evidence that they most likely did not because they found that there were, back- there were emergency oxygen tanks if the cabin became suddenly depressurized, just like in a regular airplane. So for about... Two minutes falling at 200 miles an hour, they were most likely conscious. Mm. And they hit the ocean going about 200 miles an Which hour. Which is a cement wall then, basically. Yes. Yeah. So they died on impact, not explosion. Maybe not all, but some. Hopefully they're passed out. But Yep. So President Ronald Reagan uh, commissioned what was called the uh, the Rogers Commission, which was named after the chairman, William P. Rogers and Vice Chairman Neil A. Armstrong. Mm -hmm. Neil A. Armstrong, the first man on the moon, who is a graduate of... Purdue. Purdue University, which is in West Lafayette. Indiana. Exactly. There's your connection. Ta-da. Boom. What they come to find out is there is a long list. There was a long, about a year lead up where there was a chance to have stopped. What happened, what they ended up finding out through... the. The Rogers Commission is as followed. A a prior shuttle flight back uh, in 1985, about a year before the the Challenger exploded, 
was the Discovery. And one thing that was big about the shuttle program, the shuttle was made to be a reusable space vehicle. So when they made the shuttle, it was intended to go up. Um, they wanted to go up 60 times a year, so launching a little more than once a week. Everyone knows, you know, if you can picture what the space shuttle looks mm-hmm. like, you have the the actual what looks like the flying vehicle, the orbiter, and then you have the big orange uh, fuel tank. And then you had, or that was the big orange, yeah, the external fuel tank. And then you had on the side the two solid rocket boosters. The orange tank gets lost. That doesn't get reused. But the shuttle itself, the orbiter, and the two solid rocket boosters. The things that wiggle. Correct. Were reusable. And that was made for the prior, the Apollo missions. None of that. That was one use only. Mm -hmm. Once it went up and came back down, you weren't using it. Most of it got left in space anyways. On a pri- so the the two solid rocket boosters comes down. They splash in the ocean. They pick them up. They take them back to Utah to a company called uh, Morton and Thackle. That's who made these. They disassembled them, cleaned them, looked at them, inspected them, and then they shipped them back. Well, on the one particular flight, they noticed. So if you think about how they were put together, if you think about like you had the stacking cup game as a kid, yeah. So think about that. That's how these things seat down into each other and as they go down there is an o-ring that goes around the inside that seals it off and then there's a redundancy there's a secondary o-ring that sits there you hope it's redundant that you don't need Mm -hmm. it but it's there well they had noticed when they pulled them apart that there was soot sitting in between the primary and the secondary o-ring that's just not really a secondary o-ring this would you say it was similar to a rim Correct. Job. I just a rim job. <laughs> and that you had what was called blow-by. Blow-by on the <laughs> rim job. <laughs> Showing that there had begun, there there had been some uh, failure upon that first O-ring. Well, they couldn't figure out anything other than they studied this and studied this and studied this and finally figured out the only thing that could have possibly happened. It was, it was 53 degrees that day and the O-ring was not sufficiently... Because they're rubber, when they're cold, you don't get the expanding. Because when the rocket, when those rockets fire up, the first thing that happens is they expand out. Mm -hmm. Well, because of this, you didn't quite get what it expanded, and a little bit of that gas got out. Blow back into the rim. Right. Don't blow into people's orifices. It's bad. No, yes. Especially with a straw. Yeah. Found that out the hard way. What? Anyways, moving on. (laughs) They could never sufficiently prove that this was an issue or that it was going to happen again. So it kind of feels like, and there's, and what I've looked, you can't ever really find, and maybe in somebody's book, they talk about what they did with that information, but it was never enough. And plus, that's why they're, you know, they're in Florida. You know, how often does it get below 50 degrees in Florida? It happens, but still. But warm state, the opposite of here. So... The shuttle, the the space program, how they got funded is basically through people paying attention. When people pay attention to the the space program and it draws attention and people tune in to watch and da-da-da-da-da, that generates revenue. And that makes the government go, okay, we'll help keep paying for this. Yeah. Well, the space shuttle had kind of lost its luster. So, or the space program was starting to lose where less and less people even mm-hmm. cared. So, they came up with the idea to put a teacher in space. So, they needed to... Make sure that she got up there. So January 25th, I believe, was the original launch date 
And for whatever reason, the jet stream, the way the weather patterns were coming in, it had moved. And they were having really strong winds, so they had had to scrap for two days. They had they uh, the the um, window they had to actually launch because you have to launch at a certain time of day because going all the way up, the weather has to be perfect for conditions to mm-hmm. launch. Because the shuttle is it is the most complicated vehicle ever built. You had rockets, you had an uh, airplane, you had all these different electrical systems that all had to work together without without failure nasa deemed those that they basically a hundred thousand to one so if they could launch basically every day for the next 150 years or maybe it was 80 years i can't remember exactly what the math is but i think it was over 100 years they could launch every day for over 100 years and they would only have a failure catastrophic failure one time yeah me too yes that's what that's what she said (laughs) on the original launch kept getting moved because of the weather patterns it kept pushing the winds in and it was making it too windy for the shuttle to go up. Part of the reason Christian Krista McAuliffe is going up is they want her to teach two lessons from space. They had to get him up there. So they had got to the point that if they didn't launch on the day they did, you were going to be pushing into Saturday. Well, there's no kids. No one's going to be on watching Saturday. that. So and you're only up there for so many days and there's other things you have to do. So there was a a big push from NASA to make sure that that happened. It was gonna. It was getting them publicity. It was. It had made what was going on. It had. It had brought the sizzle back to the stake. I mm-hmm. guess, so to speak. That's a nice turn of phrase. Yes. So the night before the night before the launch, um, a guy named Bob Ebling, who is an engineer for Morton Thackle, who makes the rockets. Uh, phoned his boss, Alan McDonald, who was the representative of Morgan Thackle at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. And he says that they just saw a report on the news that in Orlando, it was going to be as cold as 18 degrees the next day. What the fuck? Florida? Right. They knew that they had had a problem on the one and they knew it was 53 degrees. He calls Alan up and basically says, we need an hour Basically, or I think a minute-by-minute minute weather report from the launch site. So we know 100% if it's warm enough to launch. So he says, okay, I'm going to do that, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to get all the engineers together, and I want you to... We're going to put together a presentation, and we're going to talk to the powers of be at Na- NASA to make sure that we're being safe. So the engineers at NASA need to have a sit-down about the temperature. Oh, well. Anyways, sorry. That's fine. Bob Eblin, the guy that contacts... Bob Evans. Um, Alan mm-hmm. McDonald. How's Ronald McDonald? Bob Evans and Ronald McDonald, continue. That, is that, yeah, that's how you'll remember him. <laughs> he had wrote a memo titled, Help! Oh, that's that's. So dramatic. others would read, basically trying okay. to say, look, we think this is an issue. He wrote it to his colleagues and other people. Help, uh, that's other a good way to flag da, 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 yeah. da. Bob Ebling and that group, they all get all the engineers together. And they get together this presentation, and they have a conference call with one of the NASA managers basically saying that we don't think that the shuttle is qualified to fly in in these cool, cool temperatures. It's too fucking cold. So they base, NASA basically comes back with, okay, then you need to tell us how warm it needs to be when we can launch. 
But they'd never really narrowed that down, had so they? So they came back and they basically told them 53 degrees. Okay. That's what, that's what we know. And so NASA basically gets upset with them saying that, you know, you're changing the flight qualifications the night of the launch. Which is kind of shitty, that is. So, and I think to some extent they probably thought they would, that would be cold enough. Because that's cold enough that there's ice forming on everything outside. It's so cold. It's cold here. 18 degrees is cold here. Right. And I think they thought by launch time it'd be 30 degrees, but you're still below freezing. Yeah. Yeah. It's still not. And I, like. And then, you know, they have, they have. Lake effect winds, so maybe there's ocean effect winds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all you know. You yeah. get out by the ocean, ocean and it does get more breezy. Yeah. So, and you're right on the ocean. I mean, it's even easy for me to. So say. all that salt water and stuff coming in is sticking to that metal and forming these long icicles. I'm not that a learned. I'm not a doctor or a scientist, but I know when things freeze, it's not a good enough seal on your O-ring, your rim. Yep, your rim job. Mm-mm. I think I feel like you're giving me some hidden message. I'm supposed no, to. No, like, I am not. We can't on. now. There's the viruses are about out and so, abouts. Is you gotta stay home. Keep your hands to yourself. Wash your hands and keep them to yourself. <laughs> NASA has basically turned it into an issue of then you need to prove it is not safe, mm-hmm. which with, is beyond a reasonable doubt. It is not. You know, they want you to go home, build your own. They mini wanted the model. absolute. They wanted the absolute certainty. You need to prove that it's going to fail. At home, build a miniature model and light it not, off. You can't prove that it's not going to be safe. You need to prove that it will fail. It will fail. I guess that's basically the same thing. Well, it's no, it's but you come at it from a different angle, like right. You know, in which they they couldn't. They gave the recommendations. They told them what they found. They about it's they. I think they almost have NASA convinced. But about that time, the manager, uh, one of the managers of Martin Thickle decides that let's hang on give us a little sidebar we're gonna go and we're gonna absolutely make sure that the 53 degree number is correct double check so they get off the phone another manager comes on without the engineers in the room about 30 minutes later and they say our recommendation is you are go for launch that we don't have sufficient evidence to prove that there is going to be an issue we cannot prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this thing is going to have a, a failure. Yeah, because you got two rings. Two rim job rings are in place. Correct. It should be fine, guys. It's fine. So the engineers aren't hearing him say, it's fine. It's probably fine. And I believe everything had been qualified to fly at like 50 degrees. That's warm. Like, that's that is, right. That is what the shuttle itself. The O-rings, though, they knew at 54 degrees, or at 52 or 53 degrees, they had had an issue. So when they come on and they basically say, look, you're good. You're all good, bro. Thumbs up. NASA said, that's great. We need a we need a representative of Martin Thickle, a responsible manager, to sign off that we are good to fly. Well, that person was Alan McDonald. And he says not signing that paper was the smartest decision he made in his entire life. He made so his boss directly above him was the one that had to sign yeah, he it. He goes, y'all can get fucked. I'm not signing so, something like that. Alan McDonald is having a conversation with the powers that be at NASA. And he's saying, you cannot, they're going to sign this letter, but you cannot accept this. This flight, this weather, the, or the shuttle is not qualified to fly in this temperature. It's not. You can't accept it. That's, you are going above, you're going out of protocol. 
So they're like, well, you know, we're going to, we're going to more or less kind of, we're going to take your recommendation and we're going to take it to the board. So we're getting ready to have a conference call. You need to go check to see if that fax has come in with the signature from your company. So he goes down to the other end of the building, gets the fax, comes back. They're having their conference call. They're into it. So he assumes that he, they've already given his recommendation. The top of the list that should be discussed. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Just that. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to, they're signing a letter. Yep. Nope. We're good. To, mm-hmm. We're good for launch. Yep. It never got brought up. Oh my God. Oh my God. So was he like screaming inside or he still didn't know? Nope. He didn't know. But all he knew is that all he thinks is that they, the board made the decision or the flight director, whoever made the decision that we are going to, we're going to have a launch tomorrow. And we know that this is a possibility, but we think it's safe. Yeah. A, A margin of error as in like... It wasn't even close. Like it should be fifty degrees ish, and it wasn't even like it's forty five. Right. You know, in this now, um, Bob Ebling knew the day of. His daughter remembers driving him to where they're going to watch it in Utah because that's where uh, Morton and Thackle. There's a story after he passed away. His daughter said, "Well, she was taking him that day to go view it with the rest of the employees. They sat in the parking lot, and he was angry and started punching his dash because he knew." What was about to happen? What was about to happen, that those O-rings would fail. Go to the time of the launch. They launch at 11.39. So the launch is delayed in the morning because they keep – the countdown starts. Well, every time that there's a delay, they just – they don't reset the clock usually. I think they just stop. As soon as there's a problem, they stop the clock. So they keep stopping it because they have to go and they have to knock all the ice no, off because they're so afraid wrong. of the debris. <laughs> yeah, because we know that – you know, if it, anything hits the shuttle thingy on the way up, it can damage it. So it's like if ice falls off, this you just feel like the ice is a big deal here. Yep. I'm like, I don't want my shuttle to have ice on it before I go up and, and get really, really hot. I want it to be at like an ambient temperature, you know. So shortly after 1130, at 1138, the uh, the main engines were, were ignited with uh, 6.6 seconds left to go on the clock. Then all of a sudden, all the hold down bolts and everything are blown the rockets fire the space shuttle is getting extra fuel from the external fuel tank so the thing is just sitting there and it's ready to take off and everything flexes and bows and then at zero there's a set of a series of explosions that go off and they blow the bolts that are holding the shuttle to the launch pad and then off you go alan mcdonald thought that if there was going to be a failure, those things were going to blow as soon as they ignited. As soon as they ignited, he thought they were either going to explode on li- on blast off or they were going to explode on lift off. Like on the ground almost? Right. Yeah. That would cause some other injuries, wouldn't right. it? Right. Um, I, I don't think know the, how clo- close the closest crowd's like a mile away. Okay. I know they light the you're rocket really, with you're really one of those away. long matches. Someone has to light the rocket exactly. like that. Yep. That's, a, that's 100% yeah. So that person done. should get away quickly. So 73 seconds after liftoff is when it gets ugly. Right. Here's the uh, here's the audio clip of Mission Control and the astronauts. 65 up to 73 seconds somewhere along there. Roger roll, Challenger. Good roll, flight. Roger, good roll. 
Three at 65. 65, Fido. TDL confirms throttle. Thank you. Challenger, go with throttle up. Challenger, go with throttle up. So what you basically hear, you hear Mission Control come over and say, Challenger, go throttle up. And you hear Roger, go throttle up. And and it's actually you, what you hear is everything Excellent. coming apart. Yeah. So obviously everyone's stunned. Everyone that has was at Mission Control or at Morton Thackle or anything, there there's people sobbing. There's But there's, in in the world though, there's a handful of people that, went oh fuck yeah because they signed that paper oh oh, yeah now alan mcdonald immediately goes to alabama there's a facility in alabama and this is where they basically took all the data they they brought it and this is where it's going for processing and they're going to begin nasa's going to begin their inquiry and do what happened he's leaving the facility after they've gone through everything because he didn't think there was a when when the shuttle exploded when the or the external fuel tank exploded you see the two solid rocket boosters basically go and shoot off and you can see them basically spiraling out so they were under the assumption that well those didn't explode so it wasn't our fault there must have been another problem on board and there was something with the turbine inside the engines on the actual shuttle itself that a couple of them had come loose and they thought one had basically severed gone through the side of it and into the tank and that's what caused the explosion so he's leaving the building and someone from nasa comes out and says we need you and he's like well what the hell for and you just come here (laughs) so they show him the video and he can see right at ignition right when the thing um they light the candle (laughs) you can see a gray plume of smoke shooting out of one of the joints in the side of the solid rocket. When the rim rings are? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, so the force they come under causes obviously everything to flex and bow and da 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 da. So the seal is supposed to expand with it. Well, clearly it didn't. Too cold. So when they go to lift off, though, it basically sits, it slams back shut and the force kept it together. Well, and then at uh, 53 seconds, I think is basically when you see um, you start to see that plume come out the side and basically what had happened is that comes apart. You now have a, a blowtorch shooting into the side of the tank and then once it finally penetrated the tank, it all ignited. Big bomb. So they knew right then and there what had happened. Yep. There were some other things that once they started going through and examining the film it's entirely possible this could have been avoided if not for the wind. Yeah, you were saying, like, is it too windy? Because too? the shuttle, the engines are rotating and changing and pointing in different directions to help keep the computers do that, to help keep, as the shuttle moves, a, a gust of wind or anything m- causes that to move off its trajectory. The rockets, the you can see the engines point and get everything back to where it's supposed to be. Well. At 60 seconds, you reach a, a critical part where you have to throttle back because you're going you're gonna to reach the maximum G-load on the shuttle. So you have to throttle back, and then about 10 seconds later, you go back at throttle up. Well, at about you know 59 seconds, 
they hit a big gust of wind plus that. And everything shifts real fast or real hard. That's what caused the seal then to finally break open. So if not for that, it might not have happened. The rim rings were dirty. Dirty rim rings to begin with. Cold. They wouldn't stretch out. And then on top of it, the wind probably wasn't helping either. Correct. Yeah. But you can't sue the wind. No. (laughs) No. So moral of the story is this should have never happened. And there's actually now there's um, the handling of the Challenger disaster, how NASA handled themselves. This is now they do ethics studies on this. They've changed standards for this. Well, they've studied about chain of command and how information gets released. I mean, it's almost the same thing with Mm 9-11. If the CIA had shared what they had with the FBI and the FBI shared what they had with the CIA and the Air Force and blah, 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 there's a chance they could have prevented 9-11. Yeah, but ain't nobody going to talk to each other. But basically, money and politics... And they wanted to get if that if the teacher hadn't been there if she hadn't been part of the equation they may not have pushed it as hard either. That's that's entirely possible mm-hmm. as well. They would have been it wouldn't matter if it went up on a Saturday or not because no one would have been watching it anyways. Mm-mm. And wouldn't be waiting to watch their teacher do a demonstration. And that's why they say you know there's no such thing as as bad press you know well unless you're NASA because yeah. every time they get bad press it bad. Yeah, it's real bad. <laughs> Man. Okay, my mom said she was prego with me and believed she had just arrived at preschool that she taught at and it was some basement of a church somewhere. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the country was stunned. Yeah. Like, because it's Everyone one of those things you remember. In, you know, oh, it was a big deal that sh- a civilian was going up into space and but so, it made it possible that, oh, I could start dreaming about going into space. Someday, yeah. Bob Ebling. So, okay. Who originally was the guy that tried to tried to stop it, blamed himself mm-hmm. the rest of his life. They said a week before he died, he had so many people from NASA. He had guys that were in charge of NASA that really, really more had more to do with those astronauts dying. Said that he did he did his job. What was the legal proceedings of this? Did anyone get in trouble legally? Nope, a bunch of people at NASA lost their jobs. Okay, that's one. And Neil Armstrong was a part of this? Morton Thackle, people at Morton Thackle lost their jobs. Okay. Neil A. Armstrong, they had physicists on there. They had different people that their jobs that they weren't related. They had nothing to do with the government. They had nothing to do with NASA. They were basically there as a third party to when the commission's trying to get together going, well, this is what we found He's the one with the science background to say, well, why is that? Why, is why that? didn't you guys do this? Yeah, why they collected everything, like putting a puzzle and back together. they tried to basically subdue what he was going to say, his portion of it. And he said, that's fine. No, you can do that. I want my name redacted from, I want my name pulled. I don't even want my name being published on this. And they said, okay, never mind. Yeah, that's what you got to do now, nowadays. Because like... the government, he had basically been the star witness, mm-hmm. basically. He was the well-known guy, and he was going to raise all the questions and help them get to the bottom of it. And they might not had that might not have been released to the public, you know, because if they could have, you know, NASA would have kept it. Mm -hmm. Because they were saying he goes, they can't buy me. Like no one can pay him to say one way or the other. Like I'm going to find the truth, and you're all going to have to deal with it, whatever I find. He was an eccentric character too. Yes, (laughs) my mom said that the Challenger was a big deal to her too at the time because she was a teacher at the time. 
So like oh, yeah. she was paying extra attention. They fell. You know, just think about it. Clock. Pull up your phone. Pull up the timer on your phone. Hit start and watch two minutes go by and think you are free falling to your death. Yeah, it's it's a long time. Now they said, uh, Commander Commander Dick Scobie. Mm-hmm. Um, his friends believed because in the evidence just they found from the wreckage that they did recover. You know, he he tried flying that thing all the way to the ground because they couldn't tell how much of the, the shuttle was gone. Mm-hmm. If he'd be able to pull up on it, you know, if That's, he had any I actually any thought that, like, you know, because it, it's supposed to be an airplane, too. But what control do you have on the up? Crazy. So the reason that this one would be more, I think, consider of a murder is it would be, you know, it'd be reckless homicide. Yeah, reckless endangerment. The The Columbia... Was there something they could have done, possibly, there, if yeah. they had known? But they got because they trouble. really rolled the dice. You know, they knew uh, that there was some damage on the wing. They didn't realize that until testing later that what damaged the Columbia is when it was going off. A piece of foam from the external fuel mm-hmm. tank came dislodged. Well, it was traveling so fast that basically what happened is where it came off, it hung in the air. And yeah. wasn't moving, and the wing basically drove through it, which caused a big. Like and they a couldn't tell how bowling big. ball size hole, and in no the one wing. could see the outside of the spaceship. Right. Like, get out and look. And they came. They re-entered. I mean, they were coming down, and I learned a lot looking at that one about how the shuttle like re-enters the atmosphere and what mm-hmm. exactly is happening, and the drag that that little hole creates. Yeah, because you yeah. think, oh shit! Like if I just fell through, the problem is when you re-enter the Earth's atmosphere. Obviously, you just pick up so much speed, mm-hmm. and it's from that speed that you get you make friction, and that's what causes it the fire. Yeah, they knew there was like heat on that side, and they couldn't figure out why. Right, and like- I don't know, like uh, a warning system, one mm-hmm. of the wings and they knew there was damage on that wing all of a sudden they lost hydraulic pressure or something in that wing and if you if you look at the time if they break the timeline down it's like didn't they have time isn't there an abort on this there might not have been yeah i don't know that um, one that one's more tragic that yeah one seems more like and they an got accident. people got in trouble at nasa for talking in hallways more like making decisions more like here and there and not in a formal setting it was what i also wanted to mention just because it applies here when Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, did I say that right? Yes. And whoever else was up there that I can't remember the name because they didn't get out. Uh, I'm sorry. That's just how it is. That's just how it is. I'm sorry. When they got back, what did they do with all them? <laughs> what? <laughs> astronaut one. Astronaut, astronaut two. two. <laughs> you mean is Michael Collins. Okay. No one remembers Michael I'm Collins sorry, because Michael he, Collins. he stayed. But that's back. the honorable thing to do. I would be that person. I'm like, I'm just going to stay. You guys go. It was really interesting. There's another There's another fascinating thing listening about how they actually chose Neil Armstrong. And basically just some of it was just chance. Mm-hmm. Um, But when they got back from the moon, what did they do with all of them? It wasn't come well, on your national them. tour. Yeah, they quarantined them. Yeah, because they weren't sure about what. What germs they were They had have. space bugs. They brought back alien space germs with them. So they had to come back and were quarantined in some RV. What is that? The metal looking RVs. Yes. Yeah. And how they were quarantined for how long? I don't know. It was a while. It was like three weeks. It was a while because they asked Buzz Aldrin, who's still alive? 
Yes. Yes. What he, it was like being quarantined was like, I don't know. Like they just kept his quarantine. Like I worked out. But I think he said something like, I could tell ants were coming and going from the facility. It's like, so if we had germs. Or There's something, another like, funny video about a guy who's a conspiracy theorist that he doesn't like the way that the that there's different stuff missing about or different data that's missing that makes it look like we never landed on the moon. And mm-hmm. he decided that he was going to approach Buzz Aldrin mm-hmm. and confront him about it. And this was not all that long ago. I mean, like 10 or 12 years, I think, at the most. So Buzz Aldrin was still in his 70s, but he punched him. Good. Someone, some <laughs> he people hit him need right in punched. his panda puss. Right in your panda puss. Some people oh, that's need a to whole, be punched. I have, a, I have a lot of friends that don't believe we landed on the moon. Really? Yeah, it's one of those things. There's, a, there's definitely a lot of interesting tidbits that make you go. Huh. Are all those people married to anti-vaxxers? I don't know. So if the astronauts can survive quarantine with outer space germs that could have contaminated the entire Earth, if they can survive in quarantine, in theory, we can too. Yeah. And then they went on a victory tour. Well, none of us are going to do that. Stay home. And if you watch, if you watch um, The Crown on Netflix, the second season, they do an episode talking about when the uh, astronauts went on their victory tour. The and, moon landing and yes. stuff like that, yeah. They went to visit Buckingham Palace. You're a Buckingham. (laughs) Okay, so I hope everyone is doing okay. This is very informative. I appreciate information that I can absorb, and Daniel dispels information well enough for me to absorb. It like goes better in having a conversation face to face. How I do these things, but you know, yeah, we're trying. We try to get the information right, but we're here to be. Oh, I'm right. I'm definitely right. Practice safe. Coronavirus sex. <laughs> Be careful with face to face, ass to face contact, hand to ass, hand to mouth. You know, hand to ass, huh? Hand to <laughs> wash your hands. Put condoms on your fingers. Don't put. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where that's going. It's dangerous. I don't know. You should stop while you're ahead. Okay, I can do that. And we'll see if Carla's around next time. What we're doing, but we're all just trapped at home doing some home improvement. I still have to work. Oh, yeah, you do. Well, you do. You're vital. Doesn't that make you feel important? My only concern is the longer you're out, the more you're exposed. And it's not like you're in a place where people aren't coming and going. Don't gather in groups larger than 50 unless you're at work and you're doing regular business. People come and... 10? Is it 10 now? 10. If it would just stop snowing, sleeting here. We've tried to have a meeting on Saturday with like 12 people or 15, 13, 13 people. Mm -hmm. And I walk in and everyone's like spaced out. And I'm like, that's not how this works. Like, you're you're in a small room. Someone is It doesn't matter if you're six feet apart. There's too many people in this room. I'm leaving. Go away. (coughs) I'm fine. I'm fine. All right, well, we're going to fix some electricity, and then we'll be back next week. Right? All right. Carla yes. t- tells everyone where to find us. Instagram, Twitter. Podbean. Podbean. Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, <laughs> Google. Um, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Do we have a LinkedIn? No. <laughs> it's Hoosier Homicide on all of those. I hope. I hope it's still that. And our live show got changed to July 18th. Still at the In book. theory. Hopefully, still at the Vogue, still at three. Your tickets are still good that you've already bought, but if you have issues with wanting to switch your tickets or something, don't call me. I'm not in charge, but the Vogue can help you. Call 
Joe Melillo. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> there. He can't be mad I plugged him. No. Oh, infamous Indy. There we go. Thank you. And uh, plug responsibly. Okay. Okay. Wash your hands. And but not with a finger in the anus unless I'm wearing a condom on my finger. Hand them ass so, condom. There you they go. make finger condoms. There I've seen go. them. And for honest to goodness, stay out of the corn. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>